Thanks to our sponsors, Renault. The Renault Capture, the versatile, compact family SUV. Right. Right. Just want to tip the scale. Just remember that, Hello everyone, you're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show in association with Renault. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer Oisín McConville, by the former Kerry footballer and manager Eamon Fitzmaurice and by the former Galway footballer and manager Kevin Walsh. The qualifiers are up and running, the Talchon Cup has now reached the semi-final stage. It looks like the football season is gathering some momentum and the place it gathered momentum, Oisín, was in the athletic grounds in Armagh. How did you feel? At the early stages in that game, when Tyrone cut through the Armagh defence for the first for the first score of the game, a, a, a quite brilliant, a brilliant move, and then a, a, a kind of a sloppy goal in the end. I felt pretty sick because I thought you know they penetrated the Armagh defence too easily, and I thought Ethan Rafferty was you know his reaction to what happened, throwing his feet at the ball. I thought we're in for a day of another day, yet another day of misery, but. Um, and I thought Ethan Rafferty was in for a difficult day because not only did he did he um, did he do that and probably cost Armagh the goal, but I felt as if um, his first his first couple of kickouts were horrendous as well. And I thought, you know, as I say, this in for uh, we're in for a bit of misery. I thought early on, Throne looked very good defensively and very well organised, but um, that wasn't be, to be the case. I thought individually, you know, Throne just. Didn't match up well against Armagh, I didn't think. And um, when Armagh started to uh, play that long ball, and so people can say what they want about the, about the long ball, it, it wasn't just like it's not as if Armagh were hoofing ball into the forward lane. Like it was, it was, it was nuanced, and it was, you know, it was, it was to the Armagh forwards' advantage. And um, I know I've said this numerous numerous times on here, but it it just kept that Tyrone defence honest and. It dragged a number of uh, Tyrone defenders in to try and protect the full back lane that was really struggling, and uh, as a result of that, we got a, we got a bit of space in the middle of the field. And to be honest, it wasn't unlike what happened um, Tyrone against Derry. Armagh went went about it a different way, but they were they were still creating the same spaces that Derry were able to create against them. And Tyrone obviously over the last number of weeks, haven't been able to solve that problem, but um, early on I was nervous, no point in saying any any different, I was nervous before the game and I was nervous after uh, three or four minutes, but uh, I thought Armad more or less bossed it after that, you know I mean, Throne had little spells and, and again, looked dangerous a couple of times in the first half where it looks as if they were going to cut us open again, but uh, other than that, as I say, I, I thought Armad were, were much the better team. I want to talk about Tyrone in a few minutes because defending All Ireland champions and and now gone, but if we look specifically at our Mac Kevin, the role that Ethan Rafferty played in it as goalkeeper, it it was fundamental as the game went on. Yeah, and look at the, I mean, I, I don't know, it's the first time we've seen a keeper kicking two points from play. Uh, but look, he's, he's a natural. He's a natural footballer anyway. I think he would have. Oshima Wright's only played midfield for for Armagh, and like 
he was very comfortable on the, on the ball. And I know there was, there was a few, uh, you know, hearts and mouths when he lost the ball out on the middle of the field. But I mean, every player does that. Every every player will be will be will be turned over at some point if you try to beat a man. So look, I, I presume I may have their homework done um, when they come up the field. Then there's an Armagh guy sitting on the on the goal mark. So it's as simple as just replacing a man for without the field. So look, I mean, that's the way the game has gone. It's the it's the way the game has has gone to a degree. But I suppose for people to understand, maybe. And not be living with their hearts in their mouths. Like when when a goalkeeper goes up the field, he is a footballer. And I think down the line you're going to have one of your best footballers in, in goal anyway. You know. And I've said it's numerous occasions. You go back to the seven asides 30, 40 years ago in all the tournaments, and you're you're the flight keeper. And that, that was going on all the time. Why was that creating space and someone back? So okay, it's not going to be unusual going forward. Um, if you have a good footballer who's confident, I mean, there were two brilliant points. They, they kept the momentum flowing for Armagh. And um, you know, I just I just think maybe. The education of that going forward, for, even for people going to matches, um, it's important to understand why the keeper is doing that. So we'd have done that with Rory Avell for for try try to do as much as that, but we didn't. I suppose got to get to that level, um, but um, I can see exactly why the goalie would do what he's doing at the minute. Except, Oshin has pinpointed the fact that it was an Ethan Rafferty mistake in in stopping the goal for Tyrone at the beginning. There was very nearly a second goal where he came off his line. Into in, into Jarry Oak Burns for a fisted ball, he he clawed that away. So he's two points on the credit side, but there was a debit there as well, Kevin, and and yeah. it is a risk. Yeah, but I suppose on that one, where he clawed the ball off the line, I mean that's just I suppose that's that's the that's the man, that's the coach of a keeper. Should he be not that far off the line when he didn't have, they didn't have the ball? So that that wasn't a case of him going up the field. That was a case of just probably being a little bit off his line. So that's down to coaching again. Maybe he hasn't been playing there as a young fella. So I, I suppose the point is, if you're, you know, even minors all the way up now, you're going to probably have uh, keepers that are coached for both, how to step back and how to, how to go forward. But probably got caught off the line a little bit, maybe in his head, which is what you're going to take off again. But uh, look at it again, it's down to coaching the guy, but probably on that. Ethan Rafferty's uh, history would be that he, he would have done goals at underage. When I'm talking about underage, I'm talking about under 12s, probably up to under 14s. Uh, developed into a guy that was obviously hugely athletic, um, you know, played minor under twenty uh, out the field, played senior at senior level at midfield, 11, 14, uh, 15 probably at times. So um, he's played in a good few positions from the midfield up. So his his ability, the, the way he strikes a ball, he was almost free taker for some time as well. Um, whenever he was introduced into that side, so. The way he strikes a ball was never in question. I suppose there's, the question that I would have had, like, was you know how um, apt is he at going back into goals and fulfilling that role? Because I actually thought that um, there was a couple of times he was at fault for for things, but like the only way to develop him is to give him games. And at this time of year, you're giving him games in, in crucial matches, and uh, so he, he's going to be exposed in certain areas, but. I suppose the way Armagh are looking at it now is that whatever he's um, whatever he's he's taken away from his from uh, his own game or the game of a keeper, uh, he's given uh, us in spades going the other way. And I suppose there's a there's a there's a payoff there, and I think that's a risk that Armagh seem to be willing to take. I think, guys, as well. Um, there's, you know, I remember going down to Kerry four or five years ago with Galway ourselves, and we would have analysed it that. You know, and, and Mayo, Mayo and Kerry in particular would have been really, really very good at pushing up. And they would 
you know, be man to man, hands on, um, even out towards the sidelines. So, you know, we would have worked heavily on getting the keeper right up the center of that field because I think, you know, if you're come and you keep your backs wide, then like if the instructions for the opposing team is to be all over your man, that whole middle is open. And I think that's the only way of keeping that that we say that that press honest as well. So what do you do when he all of a sudden you find him around the middle of the field if if he's if he's a, if he's good at, at as a footballer? So it's just it is it's it's definitely a weapon for to maybe change a game plan of, of a, a team that's a really really good at high press. And you know I would find Mayo and Kerry very very good at that. And I think as well as sorry Paul, I just think with Ethan Rafferty as well. I was watching him in the warm up beforehand yesterday, and he was doing his normal goalkeeping stuff. But one of the things he was doing is he'd get a ball kind of centre the pitch, maybe 20 yards out, and he'd go on a burst of a solar on top speed out past the 45. And he rehearsed that a few times. And he's slightly different from a lot of the goalkeepers. You know, that when you see the Beggins, the Morgans coming out, Rory Lavelle, as um, Kevin mentioned there, they'd be, not that they were, they're ponderous in possession, but they come on and, you know, they might kick it on or they might take a couple of solos and draw a man. But he's gaining ground and punching holes. And after kicking the two points and winning the free yesterday, teams are going to have to count for him now. And if if as soon as the player leaves him to go to him, then it's going to create an overlap. So it's a it's a it's a great weapon. And as O'Sheen said, they've stuck with him because if you go back to the Kerry Lee game, you know he kind of he lost his footing and he fell over himself for David Clifford's goal, which was a big score that day. But They've persisted with him, and you know I presume he's working on his goalkeeping skills. Like, I I accept the point about the goal, but he was slightly unlucky as well. I know it was an unorthodox save, but there was plenty of Armagh bodies there, and if it had bounced one of them and had gone out, there it would have been no big deal. But uh, yeah, I think it's an I think it's an exciting, and it's again it's an add on to what we've seen over the last couple of years, and the way he's coming at pace, it's um it's good, it's interesting. I, I was just going to say, I, I agree with him carrying the ball out of pace. My only criticism of him from, from yesterday uh, was the manner in which he, when he turned over the ball in midfield, he didn't go back quickly enough. He was sauntering back rather than sprinting back when he lost the ball over the midfield. That'll be my only criticism of him. But Eamon, from being up in the athletic grounds yesterday, uh, it's obvious that Kieran McGinney has done an excellent job in reorganising Armagh. But Kieran Donahue, do you see his imprint on that team as well. I do. And it, it was a, it was a privilege to be up there yesterday, Paul. It was just a brilliant atmosphere and it was building from the morning. And, you know, as as a neutral as such, I'd no skin in the game. I'd obviously like to see Kieran Donahue doing well. Um the fact that he's up there and, and helping out Kieran McGinney. But uh it was it was a great game. It was a great occasion and I, I must say I really enjoyed it. Um Absolutely, look, Kieran Donny. Of course, is Kieran McGinney isn't bringing him up the link to the country for the crack. He wants his input and he wants him to be involved. Um, you know, there was aspects of the performance in 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 Donegal against Barry Buffet that I was surprised about, both from Kieran McGinney and from Kieran Donny's perspective. It was just, you know, I know well what Kieran Donny the way he thinks about the game and he thinks deeply about the game, and it was a very um, a lot of the things that were going on, giving up patents, kickouts, and things like that, would be the opposite of the way of the way Kieran Donny thinks about the game. So I was very surprised by that performance. Um, 
but you know, I think Kieran Donny he mentioned this in the bit of media stuff he did after the game yesterday. They went back to basics and they just went back to working hard for each other. They know they have the footballers, they know they had the game plan from earlier on in the league, and it was about getting the basics right again. Um, you know, working really hard without the ball, <clears throat> having their shape right, which was probably why that early goal would have been a bit of a sucker punch, but uh they reacted well and they were they were full value for their win. They were much the better team and uh obviously the draw now this morning has shown up a fair um a fair battle again in a, in a, in next weekend. So that's gonna be huge, huge game now. And for those two games, the winners of Donegal, um Arma and Kildare Mayo, you know, whoever's coming into them in the quarter final, they're gonna be fairly well road tested. What do you think of the draw, Oshin? I'm a little bit disappointed, disappointed if, I'm, if I'm totally honest. Uh, my preference were Limerick, in this order, Limerick, Kildare, Roscommon, Donegal. And we got Donegal, so um, to make it worse, I think, uh, Darren Prahal texted me to say in rehearsals we got Limerick. Um, but in in real time, <laughs> in real time, we got Donegal. But look at it, the. I suppose the, the thing about the Donegal is the game is. I felt as if everything was in favour of Donegal the last day, as far as motivation. Um, um, playing in Bally Buffet obviously is huge for them. Um, and I think to to, to the Arma have found something out about themselves now is that we don't need to overthink. Uh, how we go about things. Eamon touched on. Something simple like giving the uh the kick out up. I mean that's just not how we how am I going to impose themselves on a the game? Uh, it doesn't doesn't fit well, doesn't suit well. Um, it's I think it's overly tactical as far as am are concerned. Um, so from that point of view, I think that am will have learned a lot, but it's still a very very tough game because I think Donegal are also a team who are going to be smart and after what happened to them against Derry, so. Uh, it's it's as tough as as you're gonna get, but look, I'm gonna have a lot, a, a huge amount of motivation going into that game. Huge. We 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 can't leave that match without talking about the decline of Tyrone. Kevin, what do you see as having gone wrong with Tyrone this year? I suppose in the very start we were listing about certain names putting out the panel, so I think it had gone up to about seven at some stage. So. You just have to wonder: is the is the is the, is the bond as, as high as it was? You know, I would have said this in one of the, the last podcast or two. Jerome won the All Ireland last year. I, I think if, if Paddy Clifford had a chance to put that ball over the bar with a fist, and um, Tyrone would, would have been out. So, um, you know, they won the All Ireland last year. Um, they weren't, as I would say, guaranteed to win it this year. Um, at the same time, it just since the league started, it was all the deflections from the panel. It didn't sound good. I don't know. You know, one of the players came out to say that it wasn't anything for any reason. But with that many players gone, I don't think it 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 it, it motivates your 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 dressing room. So I'd say there's something there that's just not a hundred percent. I mean, I know you spoke about Armagh kicking the ball yesterday. It was lovely kicking, and, and Yoshi, one hundred percent correct. It was out the outside of the forward all the time. It was it was, it was lovely ball, and lovely to see what to watch. But the Tyrone of the past wouldn't believe in that much space, and they left a, they left a huge amount of space. I mean, the amount of times. Um, number 11 went through yesterday up the centre it was wide open and I marked it a few more goals so that for me wasn't uh, the Tyrone team of, of, of even last year so is it the players that's gone is there something just not right there I don't know but it's certainly not 
it, the same bond doesn't seem to be there. Eamon, hunger is a, it's an elusive concept really when it comes to to sport, but the, the, the suggestion is that Tyrone did not have the hunger for the battle this year and, and it comes down, it was manifest basically in the amount of space. Their defence last year was brilliant at scrambling back and this year it just didn't happen. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, and look, I do. And that, that, that kind of game where they are scrambling back, that is based around hunger. And hunger can be, you know, generated as a group. Obviously, when you haven't won something, but then as an individual and their serious competition there for your jersey. And, you know, Kevin mentioned that there, the fact that their 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 panel wasn't as strong. And, you know, when they were beaten by Derry, I, I was saying to myself that day, if they had the likes of, particularly the Tierney, the, the quality of player, players like Tierney McCann, Mark Bradley, to come back into the team to kind of change it up a bit. Whereas they were kind of going back to the same players the whole time who were just out of form, which can happen. Um, you know, they ended up having to drop Kieran McGeary yesterday and even when they brought him on, then you, you could see he still wasn't himself. So um, I think that, that that was definitely a factor. And, you, you know, the space that was there, both O'Sheen and Kevin have mentioned it there about the, the mix in Armagh's game. And I think Armagh deserve a lot of credit for that because if you get that mix right in terms of the decision-making of when there's space inside, kick it inside. Then when the team retreats, and they get into shape and they make they take away that kick, you run it through the space that's outside. And if, if you're getting those decisions right, you can be very hard to play against. And Armagh got a lot of those decisions right yesterday. When when it was on, they put it inside and they put good ball inside. When it wasn't on, they ran, ran it through the likes of Stephen Campbell and players like that. And and Ethan Rafferty, the couple of holes that he punched as well. So um, I'd give Armagh a lot of credit for that as well. But yeah, Tyrone never got going this year. They just... Never built that bit of momentum. I thought that when they beat Kerry and Killarney in the league game, that it showed that they were still going to be, uh, you know, a, fa- a, fa- a big factor in the championship and that they turned the corner at the right time. But it, it didn't play out that way. And the way things are going for them, they're probably better off out of the championship and they'll have a, a long break now to, to, to next season. And by the time they come back then again, I'm sure they'll be, they'll be, they'll be mad for road again. Oshin, was there much of an edge yesterday in the crowd or... On the field, uh, yeah, there was there was a bit of an edge, but I just felt I don't know how Eamon felt about it, but I just felt there was a lot of nervous energy before the game. I th- really think that most people thought it was just purely fifty fifty, and uh, and I think the Tron supporters that I spoke to beforehand, well, let's face it, not too many even speak to me, but um, the few that <laughs> the few that the few that did um, were nervous about the fact that they just wanted Tron to. You know what everybody's been talking about all year because I I feel as if Tyrone at times this year have given themselves uh, a fair amount of excuses in that you know like they 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 put away the the Armagh defeat even in the league to just not being right just not being far enough down the lane as far as training's concerned and um you know they're only back off the holiday and and that then extended into the Derry thing that you know those. Uh, five or six weeks will have helped them immensely, and and still you you knew after twenty minutes of the game yesterday that they just weren't at the pitch of it uh, properly. Um, the defections definitely didn't help, um, and a lot of players just not playing into form. And I think they missed Kennedy in a in a huge way yesterday because I think there was really no file for Conor Patrick. He, he 
Colin Kilpatrick was do was trying to do the job that Brian Kennedy was doing and freeing up Frank Burns. That doesn't suit him. Um, Brian Kennedy is the dog who who goes through all the work in the middle of the field, and that allows Colin Kilpatrick, you know, a more more of a free role to to get forward. And even I think at the end of the league, especially against uh, the likes of Kerry, he was able to get forward, and he had a huge influence on that game in Kerry, and and he just wasn't having that same influence again. So little simple things. You talk about even like uh, Kim McGeary, who just you keep expecting him to to find that form of last year. And um, when you when you look at Kim McGeary, what do you expect of Kim McGeary? Well, what I expected of him uh, was exactly what I expected of him last year, and that was that he you know he was the walker, he linked play, but he also was able to get up and get scores. But he just didn't have the dynamic uh, way of playing that he had last year, and I think. That really cost uh, thrown in a big way, and I think up front they're just malfunctioning in a, in a huge way, and they're overly reliant on McCurry. Dropping McShane, I thought, was a strange one because I actually thought that against Derry, McShane looked to be moving as well as he had done in some time. Uh, they took him off in that game, and then they didn't start him in this game. So I'd say the confidence wouldn't be, you know, where it needs to be. Um, even this, there was a strange one starting Peter Teague. Peter Teague's a hell of a good footballer and um, been going really well at club level but that's his first introduction he didn't play any league football um you know we threw him in, threw him in for the championship and he was like there's no point saying it. he was he was absolutely roasted by Aiden Nugent early on in the game and then they take him off before half time so a couple of tra- strange decisions but I could sort of understand they were just searching for something they needed something to give that to ignite them to give them that a um, bit of an, an injection of of uh, of energy because I felt that Armagh played with a huge amount of energy in comparison to to Tyrone yesterday, but they just couldn't find it. They were searching for something all year, they couldn't find it. Even the injection of those under twenties coming into the panel just didn't give them the injection that you would have thought they would. Like honestly, after um after they scored the goal in the first couple of minutes, I think it was three minutes they got the goal on, um like. As an Armagh supporter, you're worried, but when we got to 15 minutes, I sort of knew that you know we were we were very much well in this game. We we can't leave this match without discussing um, Oshin the the show of support for the McRaven Hart families, which was I suppose a rare moment for Tyrone and Armagh supporters to join together. Would you like to say something about that? Well, I think. You know, what has gone on in the last week has given people um, a little window into life in the north, I think. Like, outside of, of, of the north would probably say, look, at you know, there's a place that has come a long way. Um, there's been serious uh, bridges mended, but at the back of it all, there's a minority of people who who just don't want to move on. And that's really, really sad because in order for us to move on as a as a a community and and as a as a country um it has to have you have to have the majority of people on board and 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 i think the minority are holding us back and um what went on in that in that orange hall is it's just absolutely just i don't have the vocabulary it's just absolutely disgusting and i think that show of unity yesterday uh, tells you everything you need to know about um it tells you everything you need to know about the people of of the north, but it also gives you a 
an idea of um, the unity and what GA in general has meant to people up here for the last uh, hundred odd years. And I think um, yesterday was just a show of solidarity that, um, to be honest, would at the time would make you quite emotional about what was happening, you know, and what had happened. And, and as I say, what had, what had happened was absolutely disgusting. There's no time for that. And, and that goes for um, the stuff that, that happens on, on the Protestant side and the Catholic side. Yeah, it's in the margins that, 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 that there's still conflict there, isn't there? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not over. In that sense, there's a, still a mindset on the margins of both sides, which which it 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 hasn't it hasn't ended in that sense. No, and again, it's it's just like you know the amount of people who were that were in that video, and that one mm. person couldn't stand up and say, "Listen," that they didn't have the courage to stand up and say, "Listen, this is not right." And I think you know we've we've been given the opportunity to do that in in different uh, guises. Um, in different spheres, and I think there are a lot of people who have the courage to do that. But haven't haven't watched that, you know, it's 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 mind blowing that that people think that that's okay because it's certainly not. It's a uh, it's not a straightforward thing to to move on from talking uh, about that and returning back to to football, Kevin. But if if we look at the the the, the Mayo Monaghan game. What decided that match? I suppose a number of factors, Paul. To be honest, but before I go to that, can I just go back to ease your mind on Ethan Rafferty running back into goal? Um, it was I was continuously watching, but my screen was showing it off. I wanted to see who was back to cover him. So a lot of games in the past, we've seen these guys scrambling back because they had nothing done on the on the playing field to suggest they'd be comfortable. So they run back like like mad and out of fear, but if you look at the Armagh, he, the guy was back on the line straight away. So by the time the camera came into focus, he was back there as as the standing keeper. So I don't think, I think just because the keeper's wearing a different coloured color jersey, there's a big awe if you lose the ball. I think we just kind of get out of that. We get out of that kind of a mentality because if it's done properly on the pitch, there's a guy back on the line. You know, it's, it's whatever. Whatever size the goal is, it's not going to be massively tested. So just to ease your mind on that one, Paul, in case you can't sleep tonight. I will. <laughs> I'm much happier now, Kevin. I'll be rehearsed, so don't worry about that, okay? Ke- um, Kevin, Kevin, that was yes. that was that was Connor Mack and it actually went back in the lane. Was uh, it? I, I thought at the t- I was saying afterwards that Connor Mack had a decision to make whether he went to Michael O'Neill or whether he went to the lane and I was I was cautioning him because he didn't go to Michael O'Neill because I thought that was the preferred option but you're right you're 100% right he went back they opened the forwards I've seen yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, really, I do all my thinking from the from, from the 50 yeah. up <laughs> so anyway uh, Paul go back to your question uh, look there's a number of factors obviously but like I mean it's, it's it doesn't take me to say this I'm sure but like the there's, there's certainly was a few decisions and I know um, Banty Banty was very strong in his views after the match and you know and it's it's very hard to blame him Um there's so much work going in, and you all know this, the amount of work that goes in to, to preparing teams and everything else. You know, look, at the end of the day, you know, what I'd love to see going out of the game is that there's two things that would probably decide a game um, if the teams are very, very closely matched and there's the same prepare. And that is a little bit of luck on the day and, unfortunately, the man in the middle. And, like, you know, you have to look at it and, and you know, we... We turn around them with our analysis afterwards and listen to analysis and say, 
about how well prepared this team were just because they won. I've always said this, you have to treat the two imposters the same way, winning and losing the same way, because there's little things that'll turn games, momentum, a bit of luck. But what we have to get rid of is is the inconsistency of refereeing. And I, I know I'm, I'm strong on this, I'm going, but I'm going to get stronger on it. And uh, you might say to me, well, it's a very difficult job. I know it's a very difficult job. I'm not going to say anything else. It's a very, very difficult job. So why not make it easier? How can we have one man calling these decisions in 150 meters by, by, by 90 meters? It's absolutely crazy. I'm looking again, I'm, I'm repeating myself about the linesmen. I'm repeating myself about the umpires. Who was the closest to that person who got fouled in the penalty area, area yesterday? I presume it was the umpires. And if it wasn't, the referee didn't see it. So, like, that was, you know, probably was a converted penalty would probably be drawn the game and at least be down to extra time. But uh, look at it. I just, I'd be sick and blue in the blue in the face talking about this. Um, the, the game has to move on this. I mean, I can understand the, 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 the organization will say, well, who's going to be that linesman in a junior B game in, in, in Galway? They're not putting the same effort in as county teams are. So we've got to look at this realistically and say, this has got to stop. And as well as that, I go further. The referees that are, aren't strong enough on this, or whatever reasons they don't see stuff, or, or decide not to see stuff, it has to be a devotion summer. It just cannot be uh, hopping up to up to up to up to Mayo next 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 week. This this has got to be uh, accountable. It's uh, got to be the job has got to be made easier for the referees. But this crack of it's my Sunday today, it's yours next week. Don't come into my patch. That's got to stop. And there's too many decisions being made on, or too many games being lost and won on momentum that referees will cause. So look, I'd be strong on it. I presume that's where, that's where you're getting to Paul on that, on that question. But for me, the referee had a huge bearing on on on, on where that uh, match went the last day. And you specifically mean the penalty decision or decisions towards the end of the well, game? Well, you know, well, yes, and uh, obviously there's going to be calls that go for you and go against you. But those big calls have got to be uh, made, made, made better. And I know, you know, I think the, the foot block and that kind of stuff is, it's, it's, you're not allowed to block the ball with the foot full stop. Apparently that's the rule. And um, it doesn't say how close the leg can be. So if you're not sure and you've already given one and there's something like that, you know, the balance is something, something, you know, if, if it's consistent and it's kind of balanced for, for each team, uh, you have to make it some kind of allowance. But there should be more referees there. I mean, I've been involved in games where referees got great praise on, on, on Sunday games and everything after where they saw this off the ball. They saw four or five inches off the ball 100 yards away and they got a great clap. But what about the momentum changes? It didn't happen at the other side. So until you have enough officials that can see all those things around the pitches, don't even go into that sphere because, and you shouldn't be applauded for it because you're changing, you're changing the momentum of, of, of a team and you're, you're, and you're sucker punching <clears> someone. <throat> so, this has got to be more consistent and there has to be more referees on the field. The linesmen are there. What are they at? Tell me this, Paul. If I'm a referee, one of the easiest decisions I'll have to make is who put the ball up the sideline. And you have one man on the sideline with a flag going that way. And if I even get nine or ten rights as a referee, I'm not doing too bad. I, I expect I would. Any Anyone could see that the ball has got hoovered off mainly. So why is that the only function of a linesman? The accountability has got to be up. Get these people who are qualified as referees if they're not good enough, demote them. And that's it. Yeah, I, I'll I'll tell you sometime about I actually did linesman at an intercounty match at one stage, uh, an intercounty championship match in Leinster about 20 years ago. I'll tell you the story some other time. But I I do I do take your point. I do take your point on that. What I will say is that I think the rules are unrefereable. I think, for example, 
does anyone call steps anymore unless somebody runs 10 or 12 steps? <clears throat> Even Oshin for, for Aidan Nugent's goal early in the game, he probably ran 10 steps coming in along the no, end I line. Was, no, I think it was four. <laughs> a long four. But so it is exceptionally difficult to 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 referee the rules as 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 currently set out, no matter how many people you have on the field. Eamon, how do you how do you regard it? Yeah, look, uh, I, I I agree with a lot of what Kevin said there, um, Paul. You know, I it is it is a very hard one to take um at the top level of the game when you when a, when you lose a close game and a lot of decisions have gone against you. I think the one that kills you most is inconsistency in decisions mm. within the same game. That's the one that will drive you absolutely bananas because you accept that people are going to make mistakes. They, you know, they sometimes they want to review. Um, to take Kevin's point on, I agree about the linesman. You know that that's the, the standard GA answer always is that you know you've referee the two lines when you've four umpires, but. Wouldn't it be great to see the linesman more active in terms of don't be defined by the sideline and the side of the pitch. Come into the pitch. Be you know when when the when the ball is down at a certain end of the pitch, come in and actually be an extra referee there in that in that particular space and and uh, support the referee. But there is a bit of the territorial thing about it, as Kevin mentioned. That you know I'm the boss today and uh, I'll be making the calls, but. The game has gone so fast, and in general, I think the referees are doing quite well to stay up with the with the play, in terms of how quick the game has gone and everything else, and the up and down nature of of the game. Um, but it is it is a tough pill to swallow when you lose a tight game, and and cumulative decisions have gone against you. And like I said, that there's inconsistency from the same man within the same game. It's uh, it's a hard it's a hard one to swallow. Kevin, are my all back? Colin Chardon has a very good piece in the Examiner today about hope is raising its head in Mayo again. Uh, is that hope rooted in any reality? Why would he put a piece of that, Paul? Where did he get, where did he get that notion? Well, he's he's not saying that there's that there is a logic to the hope, but he's just acknowledging that it's it's. Uh, it's it's a factor that they're beginning. It's not that they they're, they're realistic about it. They say, but that there's uh, a hope. You see, no hope. I'm I'm judging from that. Oh, no, no, no. I'm that. just wondering where that piece came from because um, I look at my, and we have the crack. Paul, look at there's always hope in me. We know that, okay? Um, they've re- rebounded. Um, I'm still not sure they're they're they are where they were three or four years ago. Uh, sorry, I am sure that they're not. Um. They don't. They haven't replaced the players that that had been there. Their driving forces until they've proven different. I don't see it. Um, they'll always be competitive. They're always honest. They've got the best supporters in the country. They'll always be back for hope, like you say, and they're rightly so. Um, but there's a lot, long way to go for that particular Mayo team to say that they're right up there with carrying Dublin at the minute. Um, but maybe as time goes on, it it it, it, it will. I mean, that that's a tough game again for them. They want to. Do well even to get out of that game itself, but um, against Kildare, you mean the draw? The yeah, look at it. That's you know, there's, there's there's more in that Kildare than Kildare side than you know if they can ship ship uh, steady up the back. I mean, five goals against Dublin was absolutely crazy. And again, maybe I brought this point up to four weeks ago, Paul, in the last on the podcast. I'd like to see that around the Kildare table, that it's not all six footballers that are, you know, that the everything there'd be a challenging environment around the table, and it might be that, you know, why was it so open at the back, like? For me, 
it should be a bit more challenging going on. I don't know what's going on there, but if they get the back sorted out, obviously it's going to be quite tight with Mayo again. But I think they've a, a good bit to go to to say that they are where they were four years ago. To be honest, Oshin, hope for Mayo. Well, I, I thought they went after Monaghan really aggressively for the first 20, 25 minutes of the game. And I just thought they, it looked as if they just run out of steam really after that. I just, I I know that there was refereeing decisions and I, and I know that was infuriating and I can understand where Banty's coming from. But I also got the feeling from Monaghan, having seen them against Derry and seen them against Mayo, that there was a hell of a lot more in Monaghan this year. And I felt that they would be the team that would walk away from this championship with regrets and feel that they didn't have a proper go and that they went down to Mayo and they tried to contain them and, and never really went at them and caused them, you know, as many problems as they should have. Um, but as far as Mayo is concerned, I, it, was, it was the first time in a while I'd seen Mayo so aggressively try and hunt the team down uh, in the way they used to. But you just couldn't sustain it. As I say, after 20, 25 minutes, um, you know, that's when I thought Monaghan would completely take over because it looked as if Mayo, what Mayo had started with, which was excellent, um, they weren't able to to, um, to sustain that run. And uh, if they can't sustain it above 20, 25 minutes, uh, the, it's going to be tough for them from here on in. So, mm-hmm. whereas it wouldn't completely... Um, write them off. I, I would fear for them a little bit, to be honest. Well, yes, I felt Paul. It was like I think it was a long period where both teams hadn't scored, and it took yeah. the likes of Keegan to come up again and be the leader to do that. I mean, who was stepping up? I didn't see it. You know, you go back at Andy Morden there before you had, you know, Parsons might come through the middle, or you might have a Durkin or a Boyle pushing up. I just think they're missing that compared to where they were. Now, having said that, they might need to be as good as they were because, other than Kerry at the minute, I think. You know, you have to question, of, of course, Derry are mad. They're coming up the way. But the top five teams, I Bart Kerry holding their own, and maybe Dublin starting to find a bit of form again. I, they're not showing really where they were four or five years ago, I think. Do you think the standard's down this year and even last year compared to four or five years ago? Well, I, do, I think Tony Gall is struggling, struggling for leadership at the minute. Um, Tyrone are where they are. They're out. Um, the Kerry have... Retained it. Um, Dublin, I think, aren't as strong as they were when they had Mannion and McCaffrey, even though they're, they're getting back to where they were. Uh, Mayo weren't where they were. So I do think the standards are down, to be honest. But I'd see, there's a few teams starting to come up from the bottom. So maybe it'll take a year is or two. Is the door open for Galway? Were you impressed with Galway? In the, yeah, in the yeah I think the door is open and the draw is good. Um, you know, I suppose, yeah, Galway don't want that to do. We should have won by a lot more than what they won by. Um, at the same time, Ross Common. Um, who would always be known for their grit and determination often on the ball. For the last two years, it just don't seem to have that doggedness that they had before. Uh, so I'm not so sure how much Galway were tested in that. Um, but yeah, Galway done the job. I felt they would have done the job. Um, but I suppose the bigger tests are coming for Galway now at the minute. And look, they have a good side of the draw. And I think the teams on that side of the draw aren't as strong as they were. So there's a good chance of, of getting to the final there. Eamon... Last week, uh, O'Sheen and, and Tony and Brian Sheehan, they gave Munster f- football an awful kicking and the quality of the Munster football championship an awful kicking last week. Uh, but Cork and Clare are both through to the last 12. Munster championship is back, Paul. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, no, yeah, look, uh, it was hard to argue with any of what the lads were saying last week. Um, it's 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 good for you know either Cork or Limerick are obviously going to get to an All Ireland quarter final now, which will be uh, whichever one of them gets there, it's going to be huge progress for them this season. I think it's it's a massive opportunity for Cork to get into a quarter final, and what would have been you know, an ordinary enough season can can end up being quite a good season for them in terms of the development of that group. Um, so, so yeah, look, I think it makes the draw interesting, possibly from Kerry's perspective as well. The fact that they've drawn each other, I presume, repeat games aren't allowed in the quarter final. So that means I think they are. In, I, th- I, th- I think in the quarter final, they they oh, are, are they? in the quarter final. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. I I, was I think it's that not it's not going... clear on that. I'm not clear on that, but I think so. Okay. Okay. So maybe maybe that won't be a factor. But uh, yeah, it's, look, it's a huge opportunity for those teams. And similarly, Clare and Roscommon, they have a great chance of getting into an All Ireland quarter final. Um. So you could you could end up with three monster teams in the in the uh, in the All Ireland quarter finals after all are giving out spots. Yeah, and and uh, Oshin, do you see did when you looked at Mayo, when you looked at Cork, you look at Clare, you look at the teams coming through the qualifiers, is it really is it really Armar the only serious threat there, or do you see Mayo as a threat as well? Well, it's just it's just difficult just to say. Listen, you know Mayo can't recapture the form that they have, but on ev- on the evidence of what we've seen. Yeah, I'd probably say that Armagh are probably up there, but Armagh can be very much Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, when you consider how poor Armagh were against Donegal and how difficult they find to back performances up, um, it's even hard to make an argument for them sometimes too. So, yeah, like on the evidence of what I seen on Mayo the other day, I mean, I think they, I think they can and they will get better. Remember, a lot of the teams that played at the weekend hadn't played for five or six weeks, so. You have to take that into consideration as well and how much a game will bring all of those teams on. So I wouldn't completely, you know, dismiss Mayo because, I, I don't know, because history will tell you that's complete stupidity. Um, but, yeah, I'd say Armand and Mayo coming through there. Um, I think, that, you know, Clare winning, winning against me was an impressive win, but the performance wasn't impressive, Paul. No point in saying any different. It, it, it just, they just the, didn't, they didn't seem to find any rhythm. But as I say, those games are crucial to teams who are going, who are, who are uh, going into next weekend's games. Paul, well, just on Mayo, Paul, the, like Mayo and, and accepting Kevin's point, they definitely aren't as strong as they were a couple of years ago in terms of the personnel they have. But they're notorious for playing to the level of the of their opposition. And just just doing enough, and the further up to the thing they go, and the stiffer the opposition becomes, the better they get as well. And you know that's been a pattern for them through the qualifiers in the past. So um, they're they're capable of going up through the gears. And I know when they played there in that league game at the end of the league, it was a huge high scoring game. Um, it'll be probably different level of intensity now next weekend. So, but you know that is a factor with Mayo as well. That 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 performing to the level of their opposition. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree. I agree with that, Paul. And yeah. Sorry, uh, Kevin, but if I look at uh, Durkin, Cohen, McLaughlin, and Ruan in the middle of the field, there's four huge players that I I thought were well below parity the other night. So, 
Um, and even with Lachlan, I've had a couple of opportunities to put that game to bed as far as Mayo concerned. So there's, there's, there is room for optimism there, but like you know, they, they have to improve significantly. Yeah, the only thing I would say on that, but I, I, I agree with you both guys on that. And Mayo have, and this is where a man may get caught, and they got caught last a few weeks ago. They, when they're when they have to carry, and they're, they're not there long enough yet, they have to carry a level of expectation. And at favors tags is very hard for teams only coming through. So this Mayo team, like I said, have, have, are proven that they can carry either way. So they will give all they have. There's no doubt about that. Where a man could be up and down the stage until they get a bit, a bit more experienced. You know, where will Derry become now as well? They're all been the underdogs. So Mayo will carry that where Armagh, I suppose, the expectation. Will they be able to carry the expectation? Um, they probably will at this stage, but they still have to, they haven't got the years behind them that Mayo have, I suppose. Um, Eamon, just to clarify, I think you're right, actually. There are no repeat pairings allowed in All-Ireland quarterfinals. But can I ask you, the four weeks gap for provincial winners, what would you be doing? If you were now manager of 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 Carrier of Dublin, what would you do for these four weeks when you when you know that other teams are coming through qualifier routes? Yeah, it's a, it's a hard it's a hard couple of weeks, Paul. There's no doubt about it. Look, I I think in an ideal world, I was never a huge fan of challenge games, but at the same time, you might try and get a challenge game in there because of, of appreciating, um, you know, that the other teams are all getting serious games under their belt. But you're just trying to have your training as intense as you possibly can and that the preparations within the group is really on point and everything, every minute that you're spending together is, is worthwhile. Um, the, the the one advantage you do have is, you know, you don't, even though it can be a disadvantage not knowing your opposition, it also forces you to just concentrate on yourself and getting, getting your own house in order and getting everything right. So, I imagine with Kerry in Dublin and, you know, all of the provincial champions the last couple of weeks, slightly different for Derry maybe um, from the point of view that they're, you know, they, they had a tough Ulster championship and they might have needed a bit of a small bit of downtime for a week to, before they started revving it up again. But I imagine Kerry, Dublin and Galway would all have been back at it straight away and trying to make sure that their graph is going up in the right direction. But intense training sessions, a bit of variety in training, a bit of variety maybe in terms of venue and, possibly going away for a weekend or a long weekend training camp um, to have the group together, Paul. I imagine that's the kind of things that those those management teams are thinking about. And and in terms of preparation on other teams, I, I, I take your point about focusing on yourself, but would you have people in the background working on all eight teams who are still in the qualifiers? Uh, if you're Dublin, you probably have thought because you'd have a backroom team big enough to be doing that. But uh, I think... Look, what we used to is that we used, we, we, we divided up among the management. Everyone would have a province that they would focus on. And then as the thing was narrowing down, they would have a background, you know, whichever one of the management was dealing with Ulster, for example. They would go to the Ulster Championship Games. They'd see all the Ulster Games as much as possible. And they'd be kind of the expert on, on Ulster for Forrest and, and they'd inform the rest of the group. But the analysts, analysts would kind of have to wait until... The opposition was was known, and then to start pairing everything back, but that is a huge a huge body, particularly for the All Ireland quarter final. It was always the one that you know there was a lot of you were often coming up against the team that had come through the qualifiers. They played a good few games, and uh, trying to filter it down to bite sized chunks for the players to make sure you weren't flooding them with information, but at the same time you were doing your due diligence. It, it was a challenge always for that one, but. Uh, 
Which province did you what which province did you focus on when you were when you were the manager? When I was the manager? Yeah. I I could go wherever I wanted. I let the lads the province each and then I could go wherever I wanted. And and, yeah, and I, where did you where did you generally go? Uh, <laughs> you're setting me up, Paul. You know what I'm going to say. I saw Dublin play a good few times, um, but uh, as time went on, then I used to bother with their Leinster Championship games. You know, I I went in often to the, the the big game on a particular weekend if we didn't if we didn't have a, a game ourselves. Um, but uh, I what are you looking I, I for when you go to one of those matches? What exactly are you looking for? You're looking for the detail and the opposition. You're looking for what what are they specifically doing? You know, you can see. All teams have patterns that they work on in training and that they want to implement in the game. And that's why oftentimes if you're going watching one of your main opposition, if they're actually playing against a weaker weak team, a provincial championship, it can be a very worthwhile exercise because they get to do a lot of what they want to do. So you can see their game plan kind of in its, 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 uh, its in full flight and it's in its best um in its in, in its best form, so that's why it can be worth going to games that can be pretty one-sided because you can see what a team are exactly planning. Um, but uh, the value then of going to one that's more fifty-fifties, you can see how an opposition can upset that that game plan and what they're doing and what you can learn from that. But one thing I always found it didn't matter where you went, and sometimes you'd have long journeys after a busy week of work and training and everything else but you'd always always learn something and it was always always worth the trip I don't think I ever went to a game and said well that was a waste of time today you always always learn something whether for yourself for the group or are about an opposition down the line did you have the same approach Kevin I'd be honest I, I, I really enjoyed if you got four weeks of that I would have enjoyed as a manager and um, we would it's a great time to reflect up towards the break and, you know, be very clear on what you, on the stop, start, continue for your team. So you could, you know, you'll be putting in, what does this team need, need to stop at this kind of half killing us? What do we need to start that we're not just implementing pr- properly? And what do we need to continue on the positive side? So there's always something like that. We'd always work off those type of three, three, three letters, sentences. And I found it a brilliant time to get, to get work done with your team. And again, aim, aim is right. Sometimes we can get caught up with our analysis of, of oppositions, sometimes too much. And, and uh, you know, I think if you get the team KPIs or team KRIs that drives opposition, you're not doing too bad when you get that. I think it's really important to get get, get a bit of clarity on your, on, your, on your own team rather than getting caught too much up in that. But I would have found uh, the opposition, I would have found, and there would have a lot of uh, video analysis on teams. There's, there's videos everywhere where you can get the in zones and the side zones. And going to the match for me was about, you know, looking to see maybe... You'd see who was flaky, who wasn't flaky. You'd see certain players and off the ball who didn't like this or, or love this, whatever it was, that you could actually get a, a feel for what the team was about. But looking at their their trends of what they were coaching, I would find the video really, really good for that when you went, when you went into it in depth. So, yeah, look, you'd also enjoy the, the cone and the bag of potato along the way as well. So, you know, yourself out for Sunday. I've been going a few times, Eamon, so you might as well be upfront about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was up in Galway a good few times, Kevin. Yeah, it's it's how how are you received when you go to these matches, Eamon? Very well, always Paul, very well. Uh, when you're when you're there in a casual um, in a casual circumstance like that, always very welcomed. And uh, obviously, when you're coming to war, then very different. Yeah, and 
Kevin, you mentioned flakiness, uh, seeing flakiness in a player. How would you go about um, exploiting that flakiness? <laughs> so, most Paul, definitely not on the dirty rules because you have to be, it's, it's his rules. You know what I mean? Because the referee can see everything, so we're safe. But um, look at it, when I say that, I suppose what you're saying is like at, at the end of the day, it's about making and taking space and who can apply what type of pressure. For me, that's, and after that comes your conversion rates, your good defending, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, how do you, how can you exert pressure? So if you see somebody that's that's left with a perfect opportunity to put a ball over the bar and they, they decide to turn it down, you know, with 10 minutes ago, is is this guy just doesn't want to take accountability or doesn't want to take it on? Or vice versa, are you going to have your gunslinger that if you can corner him and, you know, put him in a certain amount of pressure, he's going to start shooting from everywhere. So all those little things you'll, 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 you'll find in players. And, you know, some people don't like you close off the ball. Uh, other people are complete warriors. You're wasting your time going near, near them off the ball at all. And vice versa. You know, the likes of the Keegans, this world, where we leaders, you've got to close them guys down very, very quickly because you know what they're, what they're made of. So it's just, it's just. Uh, I know you know, I'm not giving you the answer you want, Paul, but... Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely open. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oshie, did you did you see yourself being studied in other in other teams? Were you would you ever would you ever do something differently because of the understanding the research that was going on as a player, Paul? Yeah, or, no, yeah. no. Uh, I never really thought about it until I was finished playing. Um, as far as you know, who's going to study or what? Like, I mean, you get, you get to a point where you you know you know how you're going to go about things, how you're going to play, and and and. Like it's working for you, just like generally speaking, you stick to it and maybe go off script a little bit sometimes. But um, I was probably one of those players that Kevin's talking about in that you know I generally didn't have a huge amount of patience. I I would be you know having a shot from stupid angles and would drive a probably a manager absolutely mental now at this stage. Um, but I think whenever you're playing, that's not something you really think about. But I, I do think as a as a coach or manager, I think there's a significant difference between studying video and actually being there and watching uh, how teams operate and how to go about things. And I think you get a much better feel for for teams in general um, whenever you go and actually um, see a team. And I think if you go and see uh, a team in action and you follow it up with some video analysis, I think you get a much better feel for where a team is at. That's the way I, I would... I would feel about it anyway. Before we finish up here, we're going to look at next week's games. The four games that are played next Sunday and Saturday are Roscommon, Clare, Limerick, Cork, Kildare, Mayo and Donegal Armagh for places in the All-Ireland quarterfinals. Oshin, Donegal Armagh. What about him? <laughs> Who's going to win it? Ah. Uh... It's a really, tr- it's a tricky one for for Armagh, and I think, as I say, Donegal are smarting again, and we'll have found out a lot about how um, Armagh now want to play. I just think that, as I said, when Monaghan review uh, what happened last week, I think they'll have regrets that they didn't have a bit of a a bit of a go, and I don't want to see that with Armagh. I actually think Armagh are similar to Mayo in a way in that it doesn't suit us to sit off teams. It doesn't suit us to give up the kick out. Um, and I think we need that's exactly what we need to do against against Donegal. And I know how dangerous that is against them. I know how dangerous Patton is going over the top. 
Uh, but I think if we're properly prepared, I think Armagh have a serious uh, opportunity to, to win that game. Yeah, so you're saying they're going to win it? I, I went for Tyrone last week, so and that worked for me. So I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go for Donegal. Okay, <laughs> is that the way it goes? Eamon? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, look, I think that Naramara <clears throat> in a great place after yesterday, Paul. Um, Kevin mentioned it earlier about backing it up now and, you know, having possibly a bit of the favourite tag. I think that the the, the championship game in Bally Buffet, Bally Buffet number one, is a huge factor. There was the whole messiness around suspensions and things being overturned and all of that stuff in the lead into the 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 last game, which wasn't ideal. Um, Armagh don't have a chance to overthink it this week. They 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 just have to they're in the flow now and just flow with what they did yesterday and try and bring that again today. With of course taking Donegal into um, uh, into consideration as well, but I I give Armagh a great shout. I expect Armagh to win, and unless Donegal pull one of those performances that they're capable of, but um, you know, it's hard to see it after the Ulster final. I, I, I give Armagh a great shout. Kevin? Yeah, I'd be going Armagh, Paul. I think just the up and, up and coming team. But again, my my, my, my my little bit of fear is carrying a little bit. I'm not sure they're favouring or not, but, they're, like, but the expectation in, in, is, is to win for them. So if they can carry that. But look, there's some great footballers at the minute. Uh, I just expect them to get over the line this one. Oshin Kildare Mayo. Um... Wow, it's a tough one. Um, maybe just Mayo. Um, difficult to see Kildare recovering to the extent that they could take down Mayo, and I think Mayo uh, will have will have, as I say, for twenty minutes or twenty five minutes the last day. We'll see how the best way they can go about um, taking teams out, and I thought defensively. Um, they they matched up pretty well, so I think again, um, really look, the almost impossible to call. I'll just go Mayo, just to be just a bit edge. Eamon? um, yeah, very hard one to call, Paul, and I suppose that's the beauty of the way the championship is structured. That all the, nearly every week we're saying the same thing. It's so hard to call the games. Um, if if Kildare play with the anger that their performance against the Dubs. Um, justifies uh, I could see Kildare winning it if they play with the passivity particularly defensively that they played against the Dubs without the ball uh, Mayo all win Kevin? I think Mayo slightly um, but very very tight like the lads I just have a fear for the way that Kildare are setting up at the minute uh, I think they're far too open uh, I know things improved in the second half against Dublin but the game was over so at that point it's very hard to judge on, on when there was nothing on, on the line so uh, I just clear uh, have to get their ship in order at the back, um, and if they don't, they will. May will probably take them out. Oshin Limerick Cork. Um, I went for Louth against uh, Cork the last day, um, and Cork did just about enough to win that game, um, and probably will pick up a nice little bit of confidence as a result of that. Um, and I'm going to go for Cork just about Eamon same Paul I think that Limerick will find it hard to recover from the the, the Munster final last the nature of it and the nature of their performance I just think that it kind of punctured the the 
the, the momentum they had or that wave that they'd been surfing up to that point. So I think Cork are, seem to be improving. So I'd expect Cork to win that. Uh, Kevin? Yeah, Cork for me as well, Paul. I've seen a good bit of Cork this year. I haven't seen much of Limerick, to be honest, but Limerick have had a great season for the promotions that they have. So, like Eamon said, the bubble, is the bubble burst a little bit now on that last performance? It'll be hard to pick it up, but um, Cork have been quite poor all, all season, to be honest with you, and they have a lot to improve on up against the big boys, but I think they should have enough here to win this. And the last match on next weekend, Oshin was common player. Tough one. Uh, haven't watched that Clare game. Uh, I didn't think Clare played well, so I think there's a, there is a, there's a significant uh, amount more in them. Um, but uh, I, I like Roscommon. I've liked Roscommon. I get what Kevin's saying about them, um, but I, I do like Roscommon, and I think this is this is their level. And I think uh, quarter final is probably just rewards for where they're at. So. I'm going to go for Roscommon. I'm just going to ask you, Paul, are you, are you just going to sit in the fence in all these games? Oh, like, I'm going to call, well, I'll call, I'll call them all together. No, because no, I was just wondering <laughs> if you were just going to come on next week and ridicule us for how we got so many of them wrong. You, you're you actually having have an, an outstanding season. You've got almost everything right so far. Apart from Tyrone last weekend, where it was the greatest public service <laughs> announcement on behalf of the Armagh team you could possibly imagine. But, uh, so um, go, go Roscommon then. Yeah, Eamon. Yeah, same, Paul. I think looked at um, these two teams played in 2016 in in the in the in the same game to get into an All Ireland quarter final, and Clare won that. And I know that Roscommon were very um, disappointed at the time, and there's still a good few of those players around. So I think you know there's a small bit of an angle there for Roscommon. I know it's a good few seasons ago now, but at the same time, um, there is that. You know, there's just that something to lean on. This there's a huge reward to get into the All Ireland quarter final. Um, I've massive respect for Clare, but I think a neutral venue in particular, I, I'd be um, I'd be expecting Roscommon to do it. Kevin, yeah, I'm expecting Roscommon to do it as well. Um, but I think what would be more important for themselves, well, obviously the result is, is, is the, but I mean they're heading into a quarter final after that. Whoever wins it, I think Roscommon are going to have to show that bit of bite that they would have shown the years gone by. And I think that's really important for them as management and the players is that the, the that tough dogness comes back into their game because they were tried in that over the years. So well, there's some very, very good forwards. I think they play off what the rest of the team does. So likes of Tiger Rourke and guys like that are missing out there at the minute who were that were weren't well, you know, they weren't the, the main players for them when they were there, but they they were probably the engine rooms for them. And they're gonna to have to get someone that's gonna do that kind of a dirty role, uh, the, the, you know, the dog and roll where they just need to motivate the rest of the team. So they need to find that in the next game uh, as they're going forward. But I do expect them just about just about with, with Clare. I saw Clare against Galway on the, on the last league matches. It was And they were very tight at the back. It was only 1-2 each at half time. So mm. they could frustrate Roscommon when it comes to it. And Roscommon will need to be ready for that. And uh, it's a good opportunity for them. So because I go Roscommon. I think um, to answer your question, Oshin, I think Roscommon will beat Clare. I think Cork will beat Limerick. I... I suspect that Mayo Kildare will be in Croke Park and I think that means Mayo will find enough space to get up the field against Kildare and I think Donegal will beat our man at Cantor. So that's more or less um, more or less the result. I don't think they'll beat them in the Cantor. I think I think Donegal will beat our man though. Um, we will be back next week with a preview of the Talton Cup semi-finals awfully with Mead against Cavan Sligo thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast to Raf Rocca to Jack Neville to Tony Lean for making it happen to everyone at Examiner Sport thanks to Renault for their support a huge thank you to Ushin McConville who's still celebrating 
and especially to Kevin and to Eamon for joining us today. Bemich Hernashkalu. <laughs> A grain of rice, a, a grain of rice, is going to tip the scale. Just remember that, lad. Now that small bit of a needle, yeah. Come on, Mayo, you're going to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, Victorian, and now they're really roaring. And I can tell you, tell you, that there won't be a cow milk and cow declare for at least a week. Thanks to our sponsors,